How do you do? Love Talk Radio. How do you do? All those folks out on the internet land, uh, in space, in cyberspace, wherever that might be. Uh, this is Dr. Simon, and my uh, on and off again show, the stories we live by for today and I think tomorrow, because I don't think I have enough time today to say what I want to say, uh, is on again. And uh, every time I do a show, I feel better sort of venting my spleen um, and putting this out for wherever it goes. Uh, I sometimes feel guilty. I don't make more of an effort to reach more people. I could probably go premium, get somebody to help me really push the show, uh, except I really don't want to spend more time than I, I uh, am doing uh, on it. Um, and um, quite frankly, while I feel guilty saying this, and I do, um, I, I feel rather uh, bleak about what's coming. Uh, and yet certain things will happen in which I say, you know what, I've got to make whatever effort I'm going to make and just do it and call in, set up a show, and whatever it goes, wherever it goes, and maybe it'll help somehow, uh, and that's what I do. A couple of things um, are are uh, motivating me to do this show and perhaps tomorrow's. The, the first uh, is the fact that I see the problems in the world uh, created by authoritarian politics and the kind of magical pre-operational childish thinking that seems to dominate so much of life on this planet from adults, uh, which is okay, it could be as magical and primitive as possible, uh, immature as possible, but when it's leashed to deadly weapons and when we're confronted with terribly serious problems, um, I see that we are in tremendous trouble because not only will nothing be solved, but everything will be made worse. Uh, I am now looking at the planet uh, that I live on, and uh, I think all of you will agree you live on the same planet, although that may be too controversial for some to discuss. Uh, and the planet we live on, I look at like a large um, self-basting turkey in a slow cooker. Uh, if anybody doubts, and there are very few scientists who doubt that global warming is taking place, environmental changes are taking place, uh, the way the fires are burning and the way the planet is cooking and the temperatures, again, uh, the hottest temperature. And again, that's not just weather, because when you string along the number of years in which things are getting warmer and warmer, uh, it stops being just weather, it becomes a trend, and therefore it's climate change. And no one can talk about it. No one will dare talk about it. Uh, and therefore, nothing will be done. Whether or not something could be done is another story. But certainly, there seems to be no political will, either on the part of those who are supposedly our leaders or the public. Uh, it's just roll up our heads and not look. And uh, as I will discuss in a little while, uh, magical thinking allows us to believe if we don't look at it, it doesn't exist. If we pretend it's not there, it's not there. And this is, is so much of the way which the, the uh, system is now working. No discussion and no looking at the kind of problems uh, that might 
be handled or might be managed. The second thing, of course, is the uh, fact that the world seems on the brink of a uh, third world war. The danger in the Middle East, again, not being discussed, except uh, uh, the Republican candidate trying to show that he can shoot from the hip faster and better than anybody else uh, on the political scene, stoking the fires that uh, we should agree with uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu of Israel uh, to go and attack Iran and worry about the consequences later. We have to stop them from having an atomic bomb, a very, very serious problem indeed, because if you want to look at dangerous political systems, uh, the uh, Muslim-Iranian uh, idea that uh, Israel is a, is a disease that has to be eradicated uh, has to be taken seriously. And uh, while America and um, uh, Russia accepted MAD as their policy, mutually assured destruction, so nobody threw the first bomb because they knew they would be incinerated uh, and their country would be wiped out if they uh, did so. There is no guarantee that the Iranians, uh, the mullahs, the religious leaders, and the and uh, uh, the people who are running the show there uh, may not take the chance. Maybe they can wish hard enough and believe that Allah will protect them. Uh, on the other hand, you don't go stick a stick in the bear. Uh, you don't start a war uh, like we've had now with Iraq and the endless war in in uh, Afghanistan. Uh, if you don't do that, uh, unless you really have to. Because I have few doubts that if we start that war, if that war starts, uh, it will very easily go uh, nuclear, or to quote George W. Bush, nuclear. Uh, that was one of his favorite words. Anyway, uh, I think that we're in great danger. And all I hear on the political debate and the political system and the election, this desultory, depressing, uh, vacuous, intellectually empty discussion uh, is who's the worst candidate, who should not be president more. And, of course, uh, I, I should be really honest here. Uh, when uh, Mitt Romney who seems to change what he believes to whatever audience uh, that's there, uh, picked Paul Ryan, an individual who seems to know what he believes, uh, I became frightened because I see the rise of the fundamentalism uh, in the United States in the same way I see the rise of fundamental Muslim uh, 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 Islamic uh, in the Middle East, and in Israel, the rise in power of the fundamentalist uh, religious Jews, all in the same light. Individuals who see the world in a particular way and who uh, damn the consequences have to be right, have this belief that a God exists and that God loves them the most, and that whatever the consequences, they will be the right consequences. And so uh, I am terrified, literally terrified, not just for myself, 
uh, I am uh, moving into my older years, really my older years, and um, I have a few years left, I hope, where I can play a few more games of golf and do a couple more shows like this and some other kinds of uh, things that I still enjoy. But for my children, and especially my grandchildren, I am really frightened. Um, we are not looking, from my point of view, at reality. And so I am motivated to do this show and the one tomorrow, for whatever good it might do. So let me look at the stories we live by from the point of view of a developmental psychology, particularly uh, the work of a, one of the great formative, you know, if you look at the great psychologists of the 20th century, Freud was one, however flawed his ideas. Um, there have been a number of them, the, some of the existential and humanists like Carl Rogers and Abraham Maslow. Names where, where you knew them because they had a seminal effect on you if you studied them. But of the developmental psychologists, uh, one of the greats is Jean Piaget, P-I-A-G-E-T. Uh, he was really, I think he was Swiss or Belgium, but uh, his work is, is seminal. And let me give you a little bit of his theory. I, I hate to be professorial, but I will be, because uh, <laughs> the fact is that there is nothing uh, professorial in any of the discussions. Facts are out. By the way, that was one of the things. Let me just back up a second. When um, a fact, fact check is found out how much lying Paul Ryan and Mitt Romney were doing, and I suppose they could find a lot of the lies that Democrats were saying, but that was the, the Republican spokesman during the convention, I forget his name, doesn't matter, made the announcement that they will not let fact-checkers have any effect on their campaigning. So all things are true. Anything we want to be true is true. And, and if you say it enough times, Goebbels, the, the minister of propaganda for Adolf Hitler, uh, showed us and told us and showed us, if you say the same thing over and over and over again, and people uh, don't debate, don't check facts, don't know what facts are, just respond to authority uh, as if whatever they say has to be both true and right, it becomes the truth, and it becomes right. And we have seen the effects, uh, the rise of power of the monsters in Germany, and the monsters uh, are now trying to rise everywhere. And I call them monsters uh, because anybody who cannot see the humanity in other people uh, who are willing to sacrifice lives for their own power, their own wealth, their own whatever desires uh, happen, are monsters. A monster, as I've said a number of times on this show, is somebody that looks human, uh, but really isn't because they can't relate to the suffering and the pain uh, in others, particularly the suffering and pain that they create. So, a little bit about Piaget with uh, apologies to uh, ideas being thrown into the mix in, in this, uh, this uh, funny season of the election. And I don't mean ha-ha. Piaget believed that as we grow and develop, we move potentially, and that's very important, 
through four levels of cognitive development in which the way we see the world and the way we organize ourselves and our ideas of the world change so that the underlying structure of the story we live by and the way it forms changes as well. He saw the, the baby at the level of the sensory motor. He called it sensory motor, uh, <clears throat> in which feelings, sucking one's thumb and moving one's body, uh, defines reality. And there is not much cognitive or intellectual development. And then the two to five-year-old or six-year-old is the pre-operational child. And I'm going to spend a lot of time today and tomorrow uh, on defining the pre-operational and then by seven up until adolescence, the child potentially moves into the stage of concrete operations, which is a great leap forward. Hopefully by adolescence, you begin to see formal operations, the kind of formal logic that depends on facts, that is probabilistic, that allows an individual to walk in the shoes of other human beings, to empathize, to understand uh, that perception is relative, that there are no absolute truths. Uh, uh, well, one and one and two is two. Uh, is factually absolutely true. But that things tend to be probabilistic, and multiple explanations exist, and that finding ideas uh, is difficult. Uh, I think it was uh, Mark Twain who said, for every difficult problem, there is a simple solution, and it's almost always wrong. Things can be difficult. And once we grasp that, and we develop the capacity to build more scientific, probabilistic stories, step out of our own uh, perceptions, as I'll discuss in a bit, uh, things change dramatically. But when you read Piaget, you're left often with the impression that this happens automatically just with age and maturation. And while it's probably true that the development of the nervous system itself uh, is, is, uh, um, makes these changes possible, Piaget also had a very clear view of what drives development and change. Development and change takes place in, in, in his words, assimilation and accommodation. And I change those words to experiencing some kind of a problem and learning to solve it. It involves, therefore, doing things to and with the world. And it's the doing of things, the working out of problems, intellectual problems, physical problems, that changes where you are when the problem is solved. That if we struggle to understand a passage that we're trying to read, at the point at which we do understand it, we come to an understanding, uh, with or without the help of another, and I want to talk about that, if not today, tomorrow, this idea that the Republicans keep presenting, that anybody who needs help from government or anyone else is a moocher, and, and, and is in endless dependency. Um, I mean, there's no human being who ever gets to adulthood without the help of a lot of people. In any event, uh, it's only through this, this struggle with people, 
with the world we live in that our thinking and our skills change. And that's critical. If we never play the violin, we never will learn to play the violin. It becomes a mystery. We look at it, and it's something someone else can do. When we see uh, somebody who can do something really extraordinary that we think is wonderful, we wonder how can they do it. How could Beethoven have written his Ninth Symphony? Well, Beethoven struggled mightily to write his music. He changed endings. He changed middles. He was constantly experimenting with his own uh, 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 sense of what sounded right and what uh, sounded best and what was uh, the deepest structure so that when you listen to Beethoven backwards like most composers, it sounds almost like it sounds unlike most composers. It sounds backwards more uh, of what it sounds forward than almost any other composer. There's a kind of a logic that's built into his work. Uh, takes real struggle. Again, we have labels, you know, and we don't like somebody, we don't understand them, we say they're crazy or mentally ill. Anybody who's been following my show knows how, how uh, I hate those psychiatric labels, that they're just, you know, calling people names. Uh, like the political system now, just call people names. Uh, don't say why you object. Uh, you object because they're a liberal. You object because they're a conservative. Uh, nobody is really, very few people are engaging. What are the ideas? Struggling with them, debating them, real good debate. Uh, intellectual development takes place in struggling with an author, struggling to have logic with your parents, with your teachers, having debates, discussions, even arguments hopefully, that don't turn too personal. If we don't have opportunities to develop, we don't. And so the idea that we can have pockets in all of us, areas where we can still be pre-operational, uh, is not unreasonable. And you see it all the time. Particularly in those societies and those political systems that are really top-down authoritarian, and I'll review those after I go through some of the qualities of the pre-operational thinking. So, in my remaining time today, I want to talk about some of these qualities. And you can, if you have some good operations, you can say, gee, I've been pre-operational in this area or that area. Maybe it's time to stop. Maybe it's time for a change. One, egocentrism. A person who is egocentric can only see his own viewpoint cannot step out of his viewpoint, the box, if you will, that he's in or she's in, and see things from another point of view. And if these are moral terms, then uh, and become part of the sacred stories that the person lives by, they really become very, very frustrated and angry with anybody who criticizes their point of view. The extreme egocentrism we're seeing all over the uh, uh, Muslim world at this resp their responses to this um, to this uh, awful movie uh, that excoriates uh, the Muhammad, you know, the Prophet Muhammad. Uh, this disgusting, and it's a disgusting, despicable film. Uh, and people who are not upset about it should think about whether if they made the same film, somebody made the same film about uh, uh, Jesus Christ or about Moses uh, or about any other figure 
uh, with whom we have reverence and, 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 and feel strongly about. But the eruptions of emotion, the killing of other people, uh, to me says, uh, I doubt, I doubt myself. I can't stand the idea that somebody has an idea that's different than mine. Children throw temper tantrums when they're disagreed with, and hopefully uh, the way parents handle it in terms of discipline help the child move from a more to a less egocentric point of view. Societies and individuals can be ethnocentric in relation. We can only see the viewpoint of our group, our tribe. Oh, do I have to spend much time on, on that kind of a uh, on that kind of, of uh, a system that's built in so, so much of the politics of our time. Uh, voters of one religion for whom uh, a religious idea is the only idea. It doesn't matter what the consequences are to the economy, to, uh, to uh, the nature of peace and war. Uh, our viewpoint is the only viewpoint. Uh, our tribe has it right. We are... Uh, what's correct, and we will not tolerate any other kind of point of view or any discussion related to any other kind of point of view. You better watch your butt if you do. All right? Um, all or nothing thinking. There are no shades of gray. Uh, when it comes to morality, and this is very important, when egocentricity and, and uh, uh, preoperational thinking invades or maintains the moral system of the individual. Uh, our, all ideas uh, are the best. In other words, children don't count. There's only, you know, one, two, three, infinity. It was a famous book written about that. There's a small number, and after that, it's everything, the most. When it comes to morality, there's only the best and there's only the worst. The vilification taking place at every level of our society movie after movie, in which there are good guys who are perfectly good. They are pure as the driven snow. The hero who does no wrong, he's never tempted. And the villain who can do no right, he is as evil as evil can be. And when he dies a violent, horrendous death at the end of the film, because they all end the same way, isn't that great? We feel cleansed. The same thing is invading our politics all over the world, not just here. This idea uh, that you are the devil incarnate, uh, the great Satan, uh, the great villain, uh, if you hold views uh, different than mine, and, and uh, the magic involved in this, magical thinking. If you wish it, it will happen. If you wish it, it will happen. And if you don't see it, it doesn't happen. It doesn't exist. This is the basic magic. If we wish, it will make it happen. So we prayed for it, and it will happen because we prayed for it. Uh, authoritarianism is very much a part of this kind of thinking. Why are you a good boy or girl? Because mommy wants me to be a good boy or girl. Uh, because daddy wants it because my rabbi, my priest wants it, because God wants it. Once individuals mature, uh, they will say things like, uh, I do right because I believe in right. 
I have a principle that you don't hurt other people or you don't steal. In other words, it's, it's a shift, a radical shift in terms of the moral story. Uh, there can be debate. There can be argument about what's right or wrong. There are shades of gray rather than this all or nothing. One of the things that drives people crazy uh, is the phrase by loved ones or others, you always, you never. In the morning, you do something nice. You always are kind to me. In the evening, you do something the individual doesn't like. You never are kind to me. I mean, your head spins from this kind of stuff. But you can't argue against it if the individual is really locked in a pre-operational kind of a system. Right? The more pre-operational, the less empathy there can be. And the less logic. Uh, recently, uh, we had a conversation with somebody who, who described anybody who uh, needs help from the government as a moocher, and they stated, I never need help from anyone. I did it all. I worked hard, and I don't have to give anything to anybody. Uh, by the way, we'll get to Ayn Rand in a little while, which is uh, 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 Paul's, uh, uh, you know, the, the vice president. That's his, uh, his uh, Paul Ryan's hero, I, Ayn Rand. Uh, a kind of her books are like cartoon, cartoons of morality, but really quite pre-operational and authoritarian. Uh, no one ever helped me. You didn't have a mother. You didn't have a father. You didn't have teachers who taught you. Uh, I'm particularly sensitive to this kind of crap because um, I was, uh, we, we were all middle class at one time, but we were really working class. Um, and I wouldn't have gone to college if it wasn't for the City College of New York, City University, in which I paid $11 a semester student activity fee and nothing else. I even went and got my Ph.D. on a National Institute of Mental Health, an NIMH grant which ceased to exist the moment the Vietnamese War broke out because, as one of my professors said, uh, all of these, these, these uh, AIDS entitlements, they're now called, uh, ended with each 10,000-pound bomb that had to be built. That doesn't get discussed. So I am particularly grateful. And uh, don't feel like a slacker and worked hard. But the fantasy that I am an isolated individual who is not dependent upon or needs no one else is a child's fantasy, uh, which swings between extreme dependency on the parent, recognizing uh, that uh, it's helpless in the face of the parent, uh, with this idea that uh, I'm an isolated, I'm a monad, I'm an individual uh, detached from the rest of the universe. Finally, I have a couple of minutes left. There's no history in pre-operational thinking. Time is now and now is forever. We've all experienced this. You have a really bad headache and you say, boy, this will never go away. Again, never. Yeah, it'll go away. Someday you'll be dead. The headache will stop. Um, but the feeling is you're caught in a timelessness. And there are moments in life uh, where we enjoy being timeless and we hope that timelessness would remain when we're having a very good time during good sex. Uh, we don't want to think about it ending. But uh, the inability to recognize that uh, we're a blip in time, 
that uh, we're not forever and we're not permanent, I think is an important one. And yet so much of pre-operational thinking, and particularly religion, says, don't worry, you won't die, you go on forever, which really makes the choices you make in life very different than if you say, uh, I will die, I will cease to exist, uh, uh, probably cease to exist, may it cease to exist, so that the only life I have is now, and how do I make the best of every precious moment uh, that I live? I hear nothing in the discussions of politics today about history or context. Social context doesn't exist, and history doesn't exist. Only good people and bad people. Motives aren't looked at. There's no psychology. Just awful labels that go on and on uh, by the political parties throwing bricks at each other without any intelligence, without any facts, without anything that even states what the problems are or how the problems can be solved. Well, I'm about out of time. Uh, I will hopefully be back tomorrow, and I want to finish this up and talk about authoritarian politics and pre-operational thinking wherever it may exist. Thank you for whoever might hear this, and have a good evening. Goodbye.